Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Now surely there is a pouring out in all levels. There's, there's a pouring out. But when you reach a certain age and a certain assurity in your heart, then you're searching for someone to pour out to. Who can I pour out to? Who can I give to? In your 20s and 30s, you should be wondering, Lord, who can pour into me? Who can pour into me? Who can mentor me? Who has a legacy to leave for me? Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center, located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Let's go ahead and get into the Word. All right, today we're going to go into part four of the series entitled Releasing Your Potential. Releasing Your Potential. That's the word of this season. The Lord said he's going to release or that he is releasing our potential. Now, we have four uh, root scriptures or three root scriptures. We're going to go ahead and, and rehearse one more time. Proverbs 28 and verse number one. Proverbs 28 and one. It says, uh, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as lion. As a lion, say with me, I am bold as a lion. Philippians four thirteen declares, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Say with me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Second Corinthians two fourteen says. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Say with me, God always causes me to triumph, to win in Christ Jesus. Now it is also our prayer, we went over this on last week as we uh, spoke from the subject of the cure for procrastination. If you weren't able to hear that, then make sure you go to our website and hear it. Go to our YouTube page and hear it. And online at Kingdom Rock Network, you'll find that there as well. We talked about the, uh, last week we talked about the cure for procrastination. And here is one cure here in Psalm 90, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12. And this is our prayer. It says, so teach us to what? To number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days, realizing that our time here is at a premium. One of the tragedies, one of the great tragedies in life is, uh, is wasting of time. We realize that we can get more money or acquire more money, but you cannot acquire more time. Don't let anybody waste your time. It is not theirs to waste. Don't let people waste your time. That sounds mean, doesn't it? To tell somebody, no, you're not going to waste my time. No, it doesn't. Because you only have a certain amount of time. You can, you can acquire more money. You can earn more money. But you cannot earn more time. Now, time can be multiplied. Time can be multiplied uh, when you do what God has called you to do and the things that only you are uniquely called to do, and then you either hire or get someone else to do something that, that you don't necessarily have to do. It doesn't require your skills to do that. 
Someone else can do that activity. Well, then you hire someone or get someone else to do that so that you can stay on the business of doing the business. Hallelujah. If you are captaining a ship, we would all appreciate the captain to stay in the control room and not mop the floors in the kitchen or work in the boiler room. We want your skills steering the boat. You got me? Hallelujah. Get someone else to do those other things um, that, uh, that can be done by other people. There's a way to do that. We must be led by the Spirit in our day-to-day operations, our day-to-day decisions. So I speak to you today not as the common churchgoer. I speak to you today not as the common, quote-unquote, children of God. But I speak to you as spiritual CEOs. I speak to you as spiritual generals and captains and leaders in the army of the Lord. There's more in you than meets the eye. And so Lord is, the Lord is raising you up to fulfill your potential. Hallelujah. Now today in part four, we'll speak from the subject of leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Now, what is a legacy? A legacy simply is a gift left by will, especially money or property, something transmitted to uh, another, um, or we can say it this way, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor, right? Or a, or a um, predecessor. It is something left behind to you from someone that has gone before you. Something left behind. So the question was posed to me, what does leaving a legacy have to do with releasing your potential? Doesn't seem to go together. Ask the Lord that. Doesn't seem to go together. Does it, Bernice? It doesn't really seem to go that way. This is what I heard back. We are taught to teach. We are fed to feed. We are comforted to bring comfort to others. Releasing your potential will cause you to shine brightly. And you grow. And you do well. But what happens after that? You're growing, you're growing and developing and you're shining in an effort to pass that on to someone else. It's not just about you doing what you do or doing the things that only you can do. You making an impact, but it's about you leaving that impact to someone else. Let me show you what I'm talking about. This is very wonderful scripture. In John 15, John 15 and 12, or rather John 15, verse 16. John 15, verse 16. And this is how it reads. The Lord says here, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you. The word ordained there means to set, to place, to establish. The Lord said, I have ordained you. Now think about that in terms of a plant. He picked you out and then he planted you in a certain place. He said, I have chosen you. He said, you have not chosen me. I've chosen you and ordained you or planted you, established you, set you in a place. Why? That you should go and bring forth fruit. We're fruit trees. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. Notice that. Stop right there for a second. 
He said, I planted you, I called you, I chose you, and I positioned you. I put you in a place so that you would bear fruit. Well, you bearing fruit is releasing your potential. When an apple tree is planted, it releases its potential. When you see apples, that's its potential. He said, I called you or I chose you and I put you in a place. I established you in that place so that you can bear fruit. Now, that fruit is during your time, during your years. And then he says that your fruit would remain. That means after you are gone, you have left a legacy for the next generation. I planted you. You're developing fruit. You fruit for your generation and fruit also for the next generation. Now, when you're in that position, notice this because there's a promise here. If you don't watch it, you'll miss it. This is such a very powerful promise in this verse. So you're producing fruit. You're shining. You're becoming all that God has called you to be. Stage one. Stage two, your fruit is remaining. You are leaving a legacy. You are imparting unto others that are coming behind you. And I'm going to tell you today, Lord willing, three key ways that you can do that. And then he says, he's doing this. Why? Look at the, look at the very last verse, or the very last part of the verse. He says, that whatsoever you sh ye shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Which means when you are fruit-minded, legacy-minded, God gives you an open door to his throne. He gives you official asking power. When it's no longer just about you, my name going to be on the marquee. Ooh, it's going to be so big. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. You join the Amo Club. I'm on this and I'm on that. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on this. No, it's not just about you, but when you say this because I need to reach back and get this person so I can leave fruit that remain. God says the doors are open. Come and get what you need. Because you are legacy minded. You're legacy minded. In your early 20s, in your teens or early 20s, you are investigating what God has called you to do. And you're researching and you are bringing things to you. You're trying to find out exactly what he's called you to do. And you're training and preparing. In your late 20s, 30s, 40s, all the gathering stuff should just about be over. And then you are honing your skills. You are sharpening your sword. In your 20s or rather your late 20s, 30s to 40s, you should know what God has called you to do. You should be in that flow at that point, and you are learning to hone your skills. You may be researching a little bit, researching a little bit, but you're honing your skills and your talents. When you get into your 50s and above, 50s, 60s and above, you're no longer searching for something to do. You're no longer wondering what God has called you to do. You've honed your skills over time, and now you're pouring out to someone else. Now you're pouring out. This is what I've learned. I can help you with this. I can help you with this. Now, surely there is that pouring out in all levels. There's, there's a pouring out. But when you reach a certain age and a certain assurity in your heart, then you're searching for someone to pour out to.
Who can I pour out to? Who can I give to? In your 20s and 30s, you should be wondering, Lord, who can pour into me? Who can pour into me? Who can mentor me? Who has a legacy to leave for me? You got me? So either you're receiving a legacy or you're imparting one. There's someone that you can pour out to. So again, legacy means to leave something behind. Let's talk about three specific things that you can leave behind for the time that we have today. The first thing is that we can leave behind a good name. A good name. A good name. Let's look at Proverbs. Let's get some wisdom from Proverbs. We're going to get a, a lot of wisdom, wisdom from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse number one says, A good name, 22 and 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than what? Great riches. And love, rather than loving favor, rather than silver and gold. A good name. I love the way the Amplified Bible reads. It says, the same verse, it says, A good name. Earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. Look at Proverbs 17 and 6. I love this as well. Listen to this, Proverbs 17 and 6. It says, grandchildren are the crown of aged men. But look at the very last verse. It says, the very last part of the verse, it says, and the glory of children is their fathers who live godly lives. So when a father or parents live a godly life, glory comes upon the children. But when a father or mother or parent cease to live godly lives, that does not bring glory to the children. It could very well bring shame to the children. Look at Proverbs 10 and verse 7. Proverbs 10 verse 7 says, The memory of the righteous person is a source of blessing, but the name of the wicked will be forgotten and rot like a corpse. You see that? Now, we have not always lived righteous lives, and we have made mistakes as parents, as individuals. But the Lord is faithful to give us another chance, a second chance, a third chance, and a fourth chance if necessary. We can redeem the time. We can redeem the time. Now, one thing, a good, one thing a good name does as well, like I said, it opens doors. It opens opportunities. It gives us access to people, to resources, um, to valuables that are not often accessible to others. Think about it. Having a good name. It gives you access in the community through someone's good name. Or having a good name with credit gives you access into a lot of things that those with poor credit does not have. A good name. Good name as far as a job history, employment history. Good name opens up doors, opens up doors for you that you would not ordinarily have. 
in choosing the deacons in Acts, the sixth chapter. Look at this. In Acts, the sixth chapter, look at the criteria that, um, that the Lord gave them. Acts 6, verse 3 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Therefore, brothers, choose from among you seven men with what? Good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Furthermore, when a good name is presented, let's say you go and you say, well, I'm coming. I'm coming here today in the name of in the name of Linda Ware. I come here. They say, oh, I know that name. But when you present that name before people, they're going to first of all assume that you are with that name or you represent that name or you like that name. And so based on the power of that name, doors can be opened. By the same token, if you bring up another name that is not as honorable and you present that name, they're going to think that you like them too. Some names you don't want to bring up. Oh, you wanted them. Oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. There's power in a name because Joseph had a good name in Egypt. Honorable, an upright name. His whole family was saved from starvation because Queen Esther had a good name. Again, Israel was saved from the uh, from the tactics or the terrible things that Haman was planning because Jonathan had a good name with David. When David became king, even though Jonathan was dead, his son Mephibosheth and his entire family ate at the king's table. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, great wealth. Leave them a good name. Leave them a good name. Secondly, you want to leave, leave behind a financial inheritance. Leave behind a financial inheritance. Proverbs 13, 22, we saw this earlier. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good man leaveth an inheritance to who? His children's children, his grandchildren. Leaves an inheritance. In other words, you're not consuming it all on yourself but you're legacy minded because I'm going to have to release this to the next generation. How much further would you have gone in life if when you were married, when you were married, your grandparents start you off with a new house? No house note. Gave you a car, no car note. Said you don't have credit now, but let me help you establish your credit. Here's some money. How much better would you be if you were able to stand on their shoulders, stand on their shoulders and not have to struggle from the bottom to go to the top? Say with me, legacy. Look at 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. I want to show you this too. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, uh, verses 1 and 2. This is the account where there was a man of God that basically left his family in debt when he died. He didn't leave them money, but he left them a name. And his name brought connections. 
to the throne of God. Look at, look at this. Second uh, Kings, the fourth chapter, second Kings four, verse one and two on the new living translation. It says this one day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you, by the way, my husband who served you is dead. And you know that he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse two, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. You know how the account goes. If you don't, make sure you read the entire account. She goes home and begins to start her own business. She starts her own business. She gets uh, material. She acquires material from the community. Empty vessels, empty jars, and she begins to pour oil into those jars. She has a product now. She goes back to the man of God and says, hey, well, I got all this oil. What are you going to do with it? Go and sell it. So, as, so, so she has a product and she has a demand for that product in the entire community. She has something that the community was willing to pay for. Overnight, she became wealthy. Her husband did not leave her with, a, with money, but he left her with a good name. And he left her with a godly connection. Baby, if something should happen to me, get to the man of God. The Bible says that he honored God, he feared God, he honored God, and he served the man of God. He served the house of God. He honored God. What a legacy to leave behind. He honored God. He feared God. Feared God. Now, that's something powerful, isn't it? Not just to show he lived this thing day in and day out. He feared God, honored God, and he served the man of God. And his family prospered greater in his death than in his life. You got that? Thirdly, I want you to see this. Well, we can say this. I want you to say this too. So leave them a good name. Leave them a financial heritage, inheritance, if at all possible. But leave them definitely a connection with God. Which brings us to the last one. I pray that you hear this. Leave them a spiritual legacy, a spiritual inheritance. Leave them a spiritual inheritance. Let's go to Genesis, Genesis 18, verse 19. Genesis 18, verse 19. Remember, when, remember the promise that we read there in John, the 15th chapter. When you are legacy-minded, that you're developing fruit and that your fruit should remain, the doors to ask God are opened. He says, whatever you ask, my father's going to do it for you. When you are a river that flows, more can come to you. But when you are a stagnant river, everything flows in, but nothing flows out. The doors are not as open or not open to this degree. You got me? Hurry with me now. Leaving a spiritual inheritance. Look what Abraham did. I want you to see what Abraham did and how the Lord chose him. So again, let's look at Genesis 18, verse 19, Genesis 18, 19. It says this, God talking about Abraham. 
He says, for I, I have known, chosen or acknowledged him as my own so that he may teach and command his children and the sons of his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is righteous and just so that the Lord may bring unto Abraham what he has promised him. Abraham was legacy minded. God said, I know him. He'll teach his children what I taught him. He will teach them what I taught him. Remember, in John 15, the Lord said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. God said, I chose him because he'll teach his children. He'll leave an inheritance. And because of that, he's going to receive the promise. Are you getting this correlation here? Look at, look at uh, also 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, first chapter, verse 5. 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 5, uh, the King James Version. It says, Paul said this about Timothy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. They left a legacy. Grandmama had faith. When daughter was coming up, she saw her mother's faith. When Timothy came up, he saw his mother's faith. They left a legacy of faith in the family. Can you see that? Last, when you don't understand this, you become wrapped up in self and you miss this. You miss this point. Look at first Samuel, first Samuel 18, first Samuel 18. Saul did not understand this. Now, I pray that you get this as we begin to close. Now, I pray that you get this. First Samuel 18, verse six and nine. This is when the Israelites are returning from battle, when David and Saul are returning from battle. Very familiar scripture. Look at this. 1 Samuel 18, verse 6, uh, 7, 8, 9. It says, when the victorious Israelites, Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the, David had killed the Philistine, women from, all, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet who? King Saul, right? They sang and danced for joy with uh, tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his, what, ten thousands. What, what was the result? This made Saul very angry. What's this? He replied. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now, understand this. This is a very inappropriate mindset. Because the mindset of Saul should be, I'm preparing for the next generation. This man is anointed. God is with him. Let me help him reach his goal. If God wants him to have the kingdom, let me make it easier for the transfer. Because God had already told Saul that you will no longer be king. I'm raising up another that is better than you. That has already happened. Saul knows that he can no longer be king. Here's a proper mindset. And I want you to understand this. Here's a proper mindset. 
even in our church and even, even in our lives, I don't need you to become, even in this church, I don't need anyone to become like me. I want you to become, I need you to become better than me. You understand? I need you to go higher than me. Be better, better editors, better preachers, better teachers, more influential in your home and in your communities. I need you to be better than. That's the mindset of a godly leader, a proper leadership that is legacy minded. You must be better than me. Every son, every father rather, wants for his children, every parent wants their children to do better than they did. Be better. Say, we were uneducated, so we're going to put you through school. You go through school now. You get the better job. You'll be this. You'll be the doctor. You'll be the lawyer. You'll be the business owner. We couldn't do it, but you can. Every godly parent, every godly leader worth their salt wants their children to do better than them. But for some reason in the house of God, we're stuck with the plague. Well, nobody can preach better than the pastor. Nobody can sing better than this. Nobody can do this and that and the other. And there's only one name up there, and if you come against it, you're going to have to leave. That's not godly. That's not godly. Consider the mindset of Christ. Consider the mindset of Christ. Let's, let's look at John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter. Remember, we are raising up the next generation of soldiers, next generation of leaders. I don't want you to become like me. I need you to become better than me, more than me, better than me. The proof of a good leader is the quality that he's raising up. I want you to be better preachers. Caleb, you need to be a better preacher than me. Shekinah, better than preacher, better than preacher than me. James, better than me. Every preacher in here, every teacher in here, you need to be better. That's why you see these size nine and a half shoes. Don't get offended. Because I need you to be better. You got what I'm saying to you? In love. Always in love. But you've got to become better. And raise up better. If every generation raises up better, my God, what happens? We got to break that crab in the bucket mentality. We must become better. And that only happens when you stand on someone else's shoulders who can show you. Let me help you up and you become better. Look at the mindset of Jesus as we close. John 14 Verse 12 and 13, the Lord says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And what? Greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, you're not going to be better than Jesus. <laughs> That's just impossible. But he said, the works I do, you do it. And what? Greater works. He says, I want you to be better. I want you to do more. You individually, you as a corporate body, I want you to do more. He said, I only have three and a half years of ministry here. How many years of ministry have you had? He said, you need to do more. 
need you to do more. I want you to do more. I want you to be better. And everyone that has this mentality is on sync, is in sync with the mind of Christ. Verse 13, it says, now listen to what happens after this mentality, this mindset, this next generation. The Lord said, I'm the first. Now I want you. I'm leaving an inheritance for you to do more. What happens? Is that promise still available for us? Look at verse 13. It says, and whatsoever you shall what? Ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Promise comes up again. Do you see this? He says the doors are open again. When you are legacy-minded, it's not just about you. It's about those that will come after you. You are honing your skills, developing your skills, developing your network, your plan to pass on to someone else. You're developing your cooking skills, and you know how to cook that thing there. You know how to bake that cake and do something to that bread. You know how to do all of that. You're developing that so that you can pass it on to someone else, not just anybody, because there has to be a willing heart who is hungry for the legacy that you are leaving, that you are living, leaving. You got what I'm saying to you? It has to be one person. It could be multiple persons. It could be many persons that you will pour into who will receive, who will take that and go on. And then they'll develop greater things from what you've taught them. Now, let me say this too. Younger people, young people, I can say like David, I once was young, but now I'm not as young. <laughs> there is a tendency with youth to think, well, I got it. I understand. I, I know what I'm doing. We all had that tendency before. But the humble will receive legacy and won't have to start from the bottom. Is that song what? I started from the bottom or something, something, something? I don't know about it. But I've heard something about it, starting from the bottom. But you don't have to start from the bottom. That's the problem with our communities. We all want to start from the bottom or have to start from the bottom because those that have gone before us did not leave a legacy. So each generation has to start all over again. So we see generational poverty. We've seen it in our food bank. Uh, Grandmama came, and she, she had a daughter. And the, after 30 years, we've seen sometimes three generations coming to do the same thing. We're there to help them, thank God. But one of y'all got to come up out of here. Are you hearing? What would happen when one left for others. When one said, I will have delayed gratification, I will do things correctly, I will shine so that I can release to someone else. I will do this so that I can release to someone else. I will develop my skills. I will develop this context. I will make these, uh, I will make these investments. I will make these plans, not just for me, but so that I can lead this to the next generation. That's kingdom mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. It's not just about you, your church, you, your foe, and no more. There's a kingdom mindset because if the Lord Jesus tarries, we'll all go by way of the grave. If he tarries, we'll all go. Don't want to think about it. Preferably much later. But if he tarries, if he holds back and if Father doesn't send him to, 
to snatch the church away, the rapture church, we're all going to have to go. What are you going to leave behind? You have to leave something behind. Well, I don't have no money. Have you not been listening? Start today with leaving a good name, a good spiritual inheritance. And that starts by you having an honest walk and relationship with God. Look at uh, first, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I love this. On the New Living Translation, it says what? Help me read it. Let's go. Ready, read. You should what? Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a legacy. Because I'm going to start today doing what I should do because somebody is watching me. Somebody is watching me. Godly leaders must share what they have learned with others. We have to be legacy minded. We have to be generationally minded. Have to be generationally minded. Let me leave you with this point too. Also, godly leaders will share will share their rule or will share their reign. You don't have to be the only one in the spotlight. Look at um, Luke 12, Luke 12. Now that's such a thing too in the church, my God. People don't want to share the spotlight, don't want to share the pulpit. Don't want to share. We always got to hear you. Praise Jesus. I want to give as many, that's why we develop a network to give you as many chances, many opportunities as possible because you have a gift of God that needs to be shared throughout the entire world. Are you hearing? Look at Luke 12. Look at the mind of Jesus here again. I love him. I love Jesus. Luke 12, verse 31, uh, you very familiar, it says, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Look at verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Look at Revelation 21 and 7. Revelation 21 7 says, He that overcometh shall inherit how many things? All things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Look at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 11, it says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Look at verse 12, and this caps it here. Verse 12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign where? With him. We shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. The Lord said, hey, I want you to rule with me. Now, if Jesus says, I want you to rule with me, why do we have this pyramid scheme in the church? If Jesus said, come on, rule with me, Sit with, I'm sitting with my father. Be seated with me in heavenly places. So why do we have a pyramid scheme? Everybody gets under and pushes the one person up. Where is that? You got what I'm saying? 
leaving an inheritance, leaving an inheritance. We must have the mind of Christ in what we do. We must measure ourselves by Christ, flow in alignment with him. And a lot of this leaving an inheritance thing is delayed gratification. Having others in mind, having kingdom in mind, kingdom in view, because we're only going to be here just for a little while. This is why you must reach your full potential. You must reach your full harvest level. Be full fruited. Be real fruity. So that others may dine of your fruitiness. Become full fruit. So when they call you a fruity person, say thank you. Because once you develop much fruit, you can leave it to others. And then we can say that like that song. Then my living shall not be. It won't be in vain. I don't know where that came from. That sound pretty good, Jill. It must be Jesus. There's an anointing in this house. You don't want your living to be in vain. If I can help somebody, let me leave you with this story. Let me leave you with this story. I'm going to leave you with this story. There's this man that was, um, he died. And um, he found himself in a boat. And he was rowing in a boat. Just rowing. And he saw Jesus on the other side of the shore. And Jesus was over there waving to him. And he said, there's the Lord. So he began to row and row and row and row and row. And he finally got up to the Lord. And he saw the Lord smiling from a distance. But when the man finally got over to Jesus, he got out the boat. The Lord smiled and then he sort of, you know, sort of looked disappointed. He said, Lord, why are you looking so disappointed? I'm here. He said, yes, I'm so glad you're here, my son. But why didn't you bring somebody else? There's so much room in your boat for somebody else. Why don't you bring somebody else with you? I'm glad you're here. Oh, we celebrate you. Got a party for you. Well, why do you have an empty boat? Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. And my friends that are here right now and that are watching by line online, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, you can leave a financial legacy. Many people do. But if it's left righteously, it won't just be squandered in one generation. Others will partake of it and receive it and go on. Leaving a legacy, a proper legacy starts with Jesus Christ. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't, if you've never acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to pray with me right now and receive him as your Savior. It is only he that gives you the, the power to get the wealth. It is only he that in, in energizes you and, and takes you further on where you need to be. Trusting in him is the only way to lead this life alive. So if you would just pray this prayer with me, be bold, be brave and pray this prayer with me. Uh, the sincerity of your heart. I believe the Father will hear you and he will answer us. So let's pray together. Say with me, Father, I admit I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. 
I believe in Jesus, in his death, in his burial, and resurrection. And I believe he's alive forevermore. I turn from my sins. I repent. And I turn unto you. And I ask you to save me, to heal my heart, and to make me whole. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Live in me. Make me yours. Today I confess you as my master, my Lord, and my Savior. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life. And I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. Thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just pray that prayer with me, I believe that God has heard you and that you are a part of the family and you are just as sure for heaven as if you were already there. Next step, contact us. Let us know of your decision so that we can be praying with you. Find a good Bible-believing local church where they're preaching the word of God without compromise. And make sure you get baptized in the name of the Lord. And we will see you all next week. Remember, we love you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.